Hey everyone, it's Your Natural Dog with Angela Ardolino, and today I have a guest who's not only a friend of mine, but man, do I love having conversations with her about, I mean, we literally, it's like pick a disease and we start talking about how to treat it holistically. She is a vet tech that's worked with many very renowned veterinarians holistically, integratively, and she also is the mom of Bruce Wayne the Pug, who is one of our favorite little spokes doggies for CBD dog health, who is suffers from IVDD. But she is talking with us today about Lyme disease because not only does she suffer from it, but her dog also got it and she was able to treat it holistically. So we're going to have that conversation about how to find holistic treatments to treat it and or help with the symptoms and diseases that are caused by Lyme disease. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. It's your natural dog and I've got Krista Fox here. Oh, wait, you're not Krista anymore. <laughs> I technically am. So, so are you like Krista Fox DeRay? Is that how I say it now? DeRay. DeRay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I knew you before you got married. Yeah. But we're talking about Lyme disease and there's several reasons why, you know, you're my expert on it because unfortunately you have it. Your dog yep. got it and you mm-hmm. caught it and treated it and you're kind of like my go-to expert. I love to <laughs> be able to to call you up and talk about it because I think it's really important because what's so funny about Lyme disease is that I knew about Lyme disease in humans before I knew that dogs could even get it. And I was like, well, of course dogs can get it. Dogs get bitten by uh, ticks a lot more often than we do. And mm-hmm. knowing what a confusing and hard to treat and detect disease this is makes me go, oh my gosh. So when we've got a dog that's just got these random things wrong with it and we don't know, it could be Lyme disease. But absolutely, it was one of the first things that I found out cannabis helped with because as soon as I announced that I was going into the medical cannabis industry, of course, people wrote me from all over going, find out if it works, it helps with this. And of course, it was all those diseases like Lyme, like fibromyalgia, these diseases that so many people suffer from, some pets suffer from, and have no answer or treatment for because a lot of times they are affecting our endocannabinoid system or we have an endocannabinoid system deficiency, which is causing the random pain all over. So I'm excited to talk to you about this. First of all, for those of us who don't know, what is Lyme disease? How do you get it? So um, Lyme disease is a spirochete, which is just a type of bacteria. It's a spiral-looking bacteria. It's a very nasty little bugger. And it's primarily transmitted by ticks, depending on you know who you talk to and what you read. Um, there's some debate whether or not uh, spiders and mosquitoes can carry it as well because they're blood-borne vectors. But um, the primary host is, is ticks. And usually nymph ticks are the, are the worst carriers for it because they're the smallest and they sit on whatever their host is, whether it's you or your dog, and you don't see it until 24 hours later where they've already infected you or your dog with the disease. So the nymph ticks, the little tiny ones are the, the really nasty carriers of it. And there's no way really of knowing that you got the disease or not is if you see, if you were to find one of these ticks on you or your dog, do you go get a test? Would it show up? Would you even know? 
Yeah. So, I mean, most people think of like the bullseye rash as your, your prime, you know, telltale sign that, you know, something's wrong, but on dogs, that's very, very hard, if not impossible to see unless they bite it on like some hairless part of their belly. So you mean like Um, a bull eyes rash happens on your skin where the infected tick bit you? Yes, it looks like nothing else. It's very hard to like ringworm. What, what where you're like, oh, yeah, yep, that's ex- ringworm. <laughs> exactly. But you, there is there is places where you can send it in to get it tested to see if it actually has Lyme or not. But part of the problem with that is uh, the the main bacteria of Lyme is, is so it's um, Bugdorferi, which is the, like the guy who discovered the the disease. But there's actually like thirty different strains of Lyme. And unless you go to a practitioner that really understands Lyme, they're not going to understand that like, it's not just that one. There's a bunch of different variants of that same spirochete that can infect your dog. So, And then doesn't it even like cause other diseases and issues? So you don't even know that that it's Lyme causing all of these other secondary infections or diseases or something like that. I, I remember reading about it, meaning why it's so hard to diagnose and treat. Yeah, most people or animals that get exposed to it don't have any symptoms and they fight it off. But it's the the people that, like myself, that had a bunch of other, other underlying co-infections going on in my body that the Lyme disease kind of just, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's back. So it's very hard to say, oh, it's Lyme causing this or Lyme causing this because it's it's usually a whole conglomeration of things working together to cause all this inflammation in your body. So, I mean, when I was first hospitalized when I was 15, it was like an episode of House. They had no idea what was wrong with me. They did spinal taps and x-rays and blood tests. And I mean, I went through the gamut and they just... And what were you feeling? um, I went to the hospital or I went to the ER for a headache and they gave me, you know, like IV Tylenol or something. It was like the first migraine I ever had. And then, you know, when you go to the ER, they say, come back in a couple, a couple of days and go see your, your primary care. By that time, I had a fever of like 105. I was hallucinating. I was extremely ill. Wow. And so then I was hospitalized for five days and they just did test after test after test trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And finally, they cultured my blood. And they diagnosed me with bacteremia, but they never told anybody or myself. I still can't get my hands on my on my own medical records to figure out what they actually cultured. But they treated me with the the primary antibiotic used to treat Lyme. I got better, but I was never really healthy again. I always had chronic immune system issues. I you know was sick just all the time and very very painful all the time. So. Wow. It's it's tough because I mean, I'm sure how I, you know, grew up and I didn't really eat great, so I'm sure my gut was super inflamed and a host for all sorts of other things that when Lyme came in it just was like, "Hey, let's have party. a party and just yeah, cause a nightmare in this body now." So, that's how it works for me, worked for me and that seems to be where most research is pointing why, you know, you can get exposed to it but not develop Lyme disease. It seems to only happen in people's people who their immune system is compromised and same with animals. And we know we feed animals crappy food and over-vaccinate them. So So what treatments are are out there that that actually help? A, for people like you. And I mean, I feel like, of course, people with dogs or horses or pets are going to be more prone to getting Lyme disease because they're going to be around ticks more. Of course. Yeah. So what is the treatment? So the the conventional treatment is doxycycline for usually like two or three weeks in people and dogs because doxycycline is effective at, you know, putting Lyme 
to sleep. And it's also a good anti-inflammatory antibiotic. But away from the conventional world, which is the way that I got treated for it once I was actually diagnosed with it in my late 20s, it was a series of herbal medicines and homeopathics. Now, Lyme disease is a very tricky, they call it the great imitator because it whatever you're treating it with, it'll change its cell membranes and its receptors so that that treatment no longer works. So wow. when I had it, I went in every two weeks and uh, my doctor used applied kinesiology to figure out which herbs would be best suited to me at that time. And every two weeks it would shift. I would usually be on two or three different herbal medicines at a time in addition to a bunch of homeopathics, and then I was eating really, really clean as I was getting treated. So it depends on the doctor. I mean, there's a Cowden protocol, there's the Burner protocol, there's Tobin's protocol. People use essential oils. There's lots of more natural protocols that don't disrupt your microbiome. Not to mention there was a, a scientist who actually took Lyme disease in a Petri dish, treated it with doxycycline, and saw that it stopped moving. But he was curious. He was like, well, did it actually die or is it just latent? And he washed the bacteria of the doxycycline and it came right back alive. Yeah, I read that, that it literally can go hide, becomes like a cyst and just hides out until you stop whatever treatment is and then comes back out to play when it feels safe. Exactly. And that's why wow. people who do things traditionally, they pulse antibiotics and they're just on antibiotics basically forever because the antibiotics don't really kill it. They just stop it from replicating while you're on that antibiotic and then the cycle just continues and then changes its membranes, comes back out. And it's it's tough too to even detect a lot of times because after about six months, it starts to burrow in your organ tissue and then doesn't you're not going to come up positive on any blood tests because it's not actively circulating in your bloodstream anymore. So it's oh a very tricky, nasty little bug. I, I hate Lyme disease so much and I hate ticks because I hate Lyme disease so much. They're just just... It's, it plagues so many people and animals, and it's, it's and they don't it's even know it. An, yeah, it's 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 one of those invisible illnesses. So you caught it in Bruce. How did you catch it in Bruce? So he actually had a tick on his neck that we pulled off, and at that point, I had just started out as a veterinary technician. And I worked in a conventional practice, so. Um, we tested his blood immediately after, which is completely pointless. And then I waited another uh, six to eight weeks, tested it again, and it came up positive. It only came up positive once, and then it went away. Uh, every single test I've done for Lyme disease for him, including like the Quant C6, comes up with nothing. So it's it's very it's very tough. I, I put him on doxycycline because that's what I was, you know, that's all I knew that that right. was the only option. So I think because I caught it quickly with him. And he's small, and at that point he was pretty healthy. I think he he dealt with it okay and didn't seem to have any symptoms. But then in 2020, I gave him conventional heartworm prevention, and he developed thrombocytopenia. And whether or not the conventional heartworm treatment was the cause or it shut down his microbiome in such a way that allowed a tick-borne illness to come back up, I can't say, but all the evidence showed that he had another tick-borne illness, which we believe was a strain of Ehrlichia. And pretty much every tick-borne illness, Ehrlichia, anaplasmosis, Lyme disease, you name it, bleeding diseases are very, very common hallmark symptom, you know, a d disease progression, I should say, not symptom. But I treated him the same way my Lyme disease was treated. We used a series of herbs over mm, about a three or four month period, and then he completely got better. So 
it's just it depends on who you're using to treat your Lyme, how much they know and how much they understand, because treatment can be very, very tricky. And if you just go the conventional route, you're going to be stuck in a rut. Like most things when you turn to conventional is that it's like kind of a quick fix and not not addressing the the underlining issue. Yep. We have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about what that treatment was, what to do if you suspect it, and then what happens with dogs where it's gone too far and we are we do have one of those situations where they're basically going to suffer from this for the rest of their lives. What we can do to help them with that also when we come back. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at cbddoghealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. And we're back with Krista Fox DeRay, her new last <laughs> name. You kind of sound like a movie star now. I like it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I really like it. It has a nice, oh, uh, thanks. you know, like you married one famous guy and now you famous, you kept that name and now you married another famous guy and you know, yeah, now you're just. I kept the hyphen. Yes, I did. <laughs> Um, so we're talking about Lyme disease, both how it affects humans and our pets. And I think it's probably one of the more undiagnosed things that happen with humans. And I can imagine if it's happening on humans that it must be happening like crazy on dogs. Are yeah. there any signs at all? I guess when you can't figure out what something is. Yeah. And I, I think, I think you're right. I think it sits undiagnosed, but diagnosed as arthritis or, you know, um, generalized inflammation it sometimes like it cats it's it's nearly never diagnosed but hyperesthesia could totally be um, a Lyme disease issue fever is a common initial sign but it's not something that's going to be like you know a chronic issue swollen joints lack of appetite depression the shifting lameness is something that I think even conventional vets will go huh this might be Lyme disease when Dogs seem to be intermittently lame on one leg, then it's the next, and just overall kind of sore, and like you can't really localize where the pain is coming from day to day. That's a good indicator of Lyme disease, but without, you know, doing a blood test or seeking out a practitioner that's really, you know, seasoned in this, I, I think it's very hard to get your dog accurately diagnosed and properly treated. So this is something like if you've got a dog that has, you can't figure out what's wrong, is it going to be something that you have to ask for to be tested in a blood test or is it automatically tested in a blood test? It depends on the vet. Um, I think most veterinary practices use either something called a 4DX, which is through a laboratory called IDEX, or an Acuplex 4, which is through the most common diagnostic lab used, and that's Antec. But I know... The clinic that I first started working at, there were a lot of budgetary things, like if people just wanted a heartworm test, they could get that. But I think the standard practice is to do a 4DX, which tests for heartworm, Lyme, Ehrlichia, and anaplasmosis. So if your dog is getting a regular test from your vet and you're, you're not sure, I would just ask. But most vets do do the 4DX testing as their standard 
heartworm test just because heartworm and tick-borne illnesses are, you know, just as common. One is just as common as the other. So it's good to just do that test and, and rule out that. And then on that test, what does it show you? It shows you they could or they couldn't or... So that's the, that's the tricky thing is it's an antibody measurement. So it's antibody or antigen, depending on the test, but it can show that your pet has had Lyme, like that the treatment didn't work so well and there's, they still have antibodies. If, if treatment wasn't completely successful, there's still going to be a large amount of circulating antibodies. If treatment was more successful, there's less likelihood that your your dog is going to have circulating antibodies because the disease is taken care of and there'll just be low levels of it. But it's it's tough to know. Like if, if we have a dog that tests positive when they got it, there's really no way to know from that test. It's just a yes or a no that they have that, that you know, issue circulating in their bloodstream. Other than that, unless you see, you know, I, I have happened to work for a very gifted practitioner of applied kinesiology in the animal world, and he is able to to figure out on a deeper level, you know, is this a chronic case? Is this something more recent? Um, how strong is it? Where is it more localized to since Lyme disease likes to hang out in the liver and kidneys? So it it's it's a good it's a good measure to at least know yes or no, but it's it's definitely not the end all be all. So if you do or if if you do find out that your pet has that, is this like something that you can find this vet and go, okay, I've got this test done, this happened. Now can you tell me whether it was chronic, you know, whether they've had it a long time and then come up with a treatment plan? Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of good holistic vets, depending on where you so live. So this is something that a holistic vet would always be able to, to help with? I think most of the time, yes. I think all of them, depending on their training and, you know, what they what they specialize in, there's certain doctors that are more passionate about the protocol. But I think most holistic doctors, even if they're not, you know, dead set on one thing or another, they're going to help you seek the best holistic treatment for your dog versus just doing doxycycline. And I'm not against doing doxycycline. I mean, it is a nice way to kind of take down the bacterial load, but it just isn't the solution to the problem. So I think if your vet doesn't know anything other than doxycycline, there are, you know, if you go on the AHVMA website or um, the, I think it's the International College of Applied Kinesiology and try to find a vet that does applied kinesiology, that would be a really great way to try to find somebody who can, you know, give you a little bit more of an integrative approach when it comes to treating the, the disease for your dog. And as we know, uh, CBD or full spectrum hemp extract is great for decreasing inflammation, for supporting your immune system, and is actually has antibacterial properties also. Have you tried it on yourself with any? Oh, yeah. I take a lot of CBD every day. I take, I have all three uh, horse tinctures that I take. I take these during the day and calm to sleep and then heal depending on if I'm more painful during the day, I'll take more. But it's interesting because I've, I've been in Lyme disease support groups on Facebook and stuff for many years. And I noticed that when my Lyme disease kind of peaked in my late 20s, I could no longer smoke cannabis. Like my brain like just went on fire and I just felt really strange. And I looked it up in the group and there is actually research showing it. It, it does have very powerful properties against Lyme disease. And some people theorize that that's why certain people with a heavier bacterial load of Lyme disease can't handle cannabis because there's like that die off. 
oh wow issue so i for me cbd works a lot better whereas the thc was like i think too strong it just kind of pushed a little too hard too quick so if i do thc i do like a one-to-one fico tincture at night and a one-to-one is what is most recommended for that reason um, there's yeah. actually a book, we'll put it in the show notes, that was written that I found way back in the beginning that is literally about cannabis and how it helps Lyme disease. And you do. you First of all, you don't want to smoke it anyway if you are sick because uh, you are also inhaling carcinogens because you're actually burning things all together. If you want to use yep. it medically, using it as a tincture or as a FICO accrued is much better. It's hard to find one-to-ones in a FICO or accrued, so that's why a tincture works so well. But the same way that it helps you, it helps your pet also. So if you do end up having a pet with a chronic Lyme disease, is that what you would call it? Where they're constantly maybe having it pop up and disappear and pop up because that's what it does or different little issues and problems. Besides a full-spectrum hemp extract, what else would help them? You mentioned that there are other herbs that helped you. What else do you think is a good helper? Or like, a I, if you get Lyme, I would do this. I think this helped a lot. I would definitely make sure you or your pet takes a good amount of omega-3s because there um, is evidence showing that it was actually, I think the evidence was done, the research was done in dogs, that the fatty acid profiles of the dogs that showed the the worst Lyme symptoms and Lyme disease had a, a very imbalanced fatty acid profiles. So omega-3s are super important. We already know how, how much they will help with, you know, fighting inflammation, but um, that's really important. I think also, using homeopathics is a great idea because they're so safe and they're very effective, especially for, for these types of things, because there's very specific ones for this. You don't have to go through as much work try, trying to find a constitution. There's things like Leadum and Hypericum, and those are perfectly safe to use. There's a lot of essential oils. Usually, they're hot essential oils like oregano, clove, cinnamon has shown amazing like killing properties or just eradicates Lyme. But how to use that effectively in your pets can be tricky because you want to make sure you're using good quality oils, you're diluting them properly. And remember, everyone, just like you want a, a QR code or a third-party lab certificate, QR code that takes you to a lab certificate on a label, you want those same things for your essential oils. And before you pick any type of oil, you want to make sure that it's a pure essential oil and that it doesn't have anything else in it. And if you can get a lab certificate showing you that, then that's the best way. And then absolutely, they're pure. So you're going to want to dilute them. Unlike CBD dog health tinctures are already diluted in a MCT and hemp seed oil. So these usually need to be diluted even more because it's either the pure oil or small and not diluted in anything. So absolutely. And were you taking them internally? Uh, Yes, I was. For for Bruce, I did things like um, Aroma Boost on him. You know, with animals, it's tough because you want you don't want to make them uncomfortable. So with oils, you kind of have to play around a little bit more versus, you know, yourself. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to take this, put it in a capsule and, and take it. So I, I did a lot of like um, the doctor that treated me used oregano oil as as capsules as part of my one of my two weeks. Which is periods. a wonderful antibacterial. Yeah. So essential oils are an amazing, amazing tool. And I mean, there's 
there's a lot of good research now showing how effective they are. It's just a matter of getting that research out to the general public. And, you know, it's cheap. It doesn't make any money. So the pharmaceutical companies don't really <laughs> like those types of things. So exactly. I think they can't patent it and make billions. Yep. Yep. Homeopathics, herbals, essential oils are always going to be kind of, you know, under the radar, but there's definitely people who know how to use them properly to, to treat. I'm, I would say other than, you know, the omega-3s, keeping your diet clean, well, you know, avoiding gluten, inflammatory foods, low quality, poor quality, poorly sourced foods, just making sure you're eating as clean as possible. That really made a huge difference in my life was just, I, I don't eat gluten anymore. Me neither. It just made, it, made a big difference to cut it out. But it's, yeah, it's just one of those, it, we live in, in a world now where not eating gluten is pretty easy. It's not right. like, oh God, I can't, I, there's, there's nothing out there. It's, it's really easy. So I think just living a clean lifestyle, making sure you're, you're, you got plenty of omega-3s on board using homeopathics and doing the same for your dog. And it's even easier because we control what goes in their body and they don't, they don't put up too much of a fuss if we just yeah, they don't <laughs> give them. They don't sneak in the freezer for an ice cream treat in the middle of the night. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Krista, thank you so much. I am, this is such a wealth of information and I'm sure it's going to help so many people and pet parents because I know that it's very painful and aggravating not to be able to treat something like this because it's all over your body and it just hides. So being able to have something that's holistically going to help and not cause more harm is really nice. And thank you for sharing your story. Um, how do we get in touch with you? I know that many of people probably know that she's the owner of Pug and Hound Apothecary. Um, so if you're ever in the area, what area is your store? Geneva, Illinois. So we're like uh, west of downtown Chicago. But Krista also writes for uh, CBD Dog Health, for my website all the time because she's such a wealth of information and an incredible writer. And of course, she treats her dog, Bruce, um, holistically and has had unbelievable success with him too. But where else can they uh, follow you? I know you're on social media. Yeah. I mean, my store is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I mean, whether or not you want to text our store, call, Facebook message, email. And you us. also do consults, right? Someone could call you and you could help them through their dog if they're suffering from Lyme disease or even them. Yeah. And that's, that's really the best way to get my full undivided attention because I'm like spinning many plates. So if uh, you book a consult with me, that's, that's probably the best way. And I, I have a good network of doctors that I work with. So it's not like I'm just kind of pulling this out of <laughs> thin air. Oh, I, I know. I love I love the doctors I work with because I get to ask them questions all day long. So this sort of stuff is great because I get to pull in their their useful information and refer to them and work as a team. So I'm definitely happy to help with that. Awesome. So find her at Pug and Hound Apothecary on social media and Pug and Hound Apothecary at dot com. It's just Pug and Hound dot com. P U G A N D H O U N D. Yeah. Awesome. Easy. Thank you, Krista, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. And if you want your questions answered live, make sure to call in to 252-377-4555. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and at AngelaArtolino.com. And remember, you can always sign up for a full holistic consultation at cbddoghealth.com slash consultations.
Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.